to the first episode of Season 2 of Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Bruce Jenkins to break down Warriors Media Day and look ahead to training camp. So Bruce, here we are back at the Warriors practice facility. It feels like just yesterday that we uh, were, you know, walking downtown Oakland, watching the parade, you know, experiencing the afterglow of their back-to-back championships. And here we are. It feels like, you know, day one of school, you know, the Warriors media day. Um, what were your big takeaways from today? For my from my vantage point, it felt pretty subdued. You know, yes, there were a lot of people there, but it, it wasn't quite as chaotic as past years. There wasn't that palpable energy. There wasn't any super juicy quote or soundbite that's going to go viral. Um, overall, it felt pretty par for the course. You know, guys looked relaxed, rejuvenated. You can tell they they made the most of their off season, but. Everyone's just kind of looking at it as, hey, you know, let's do it again. You know, not nothing too crazy. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, a couple of guys mentioned, including uh, Kevin Durant, that uh, they were asked about it. But, you know, with LeBron James in L.A. and they had their media day today that, uh, you know, a lot of attention's going down there. And it's it's not the this this wasn't going to be the circus that it has been in the past. And that's kind of the way it played out. And. You know, Durant said flat out that, you know, this is it's a sexier story in L.A. That's where all the attention is, or certainly most of it. You know, what's going to happen with LeBron and the Lakers? You know, how's he going to work out with Lonzo Ball? How about all the knuckleheads they took on? And and I agree with that, that there's there's a lot more interest there. With this team, you know, the questions are certainly uh, not as uh, not as sexy, but there are some, and, uh, you know, they were raised, and um, we'll see where it goes from here. Of everyone who spoke today, who who caught your attention the most? Um, I thought Sean Livingston was really great talking about uh, just appreciating what it means to have gone this far. Um, how he could never smell the playoffs before. Now he's going. He's they've gone four in a row, which is you can't even conceive of that. And and um, in relation to Demarcus Cousins, he can really relate to the incredible grind of what it takes to come back from a serious injury. He had a knee injury that was just gruesome, one of the worst ever. Uh, and that was, uh, you know, so he can really relate. And I thought Curry had a very poignant quote about the last season in Oakland and how sort of bittersweet that's going to be with a little, a little bit of uh, heart tugging. But, you know, if you bring home another title, how amazingly special that's going to be. Yeah, no, for me, I thought the most interesting guy was was DeMarcus Cousins. Um, DeMarcus Cousins was great at his presser back in July, and I thought he just kind of picked up from where he left off today. He was very candid, very honest, uh, talked about how he considers himself a madman. That's how motivated he is right now. Um, He said that he's learned a lot when he was pressed about that. He, He said that he's very stubborn. Um, but I think that he's harnessing that stubbornness in a positive way and using it to, uh, to motivate him. He, he also talked about how whenever he has a tough time getting up and going to rehab, he thinks about the haters, you know, and that fuels him every day. Um, 
And it was a noteworthy press conference partly because that's the last time he's going to talk to the media until he plays again. I don't, I'm not sure everyone there realized that. I mean, this, this is the only time we get to speak with him. I mean, it's possible they'll make a couple of exceptions for profiles or what have you, but this is the last public news conference that he will be doing until he's cleared to play. And that might not be till January, February. Bob Myers made a point of saying today that, um, you know, there, there, there's kind of this narrative right now that we're not, we're going to save him for the playoffs, and that's not necessarily the case at all. You know, we're going to play him whenever he's ready to play. And yes, he has the luxury of of taking his time because this regular season really isn't that big a deal for the Warriors, regardless of what seed they are. They're going to make the playoffs, and they're probably going to be favored still to win the championship. Um, but to me, that whole dynamic is interesting because. This is a guy who, to me, is the biggest storyline all season, and he's not going to play for at least several more months. So, so every day as the beat writer, I'm going to be pretty much writing about someone who's not actually not only out there but not even available to talk. Um, so it's going to be an interesting dynamic. Well, I, I don't think that's going to play out that way because he's going to be around the team a lot. He's going to be at the home games. And because he's there, you know, writers are going to see him and they're going to want to talk to him. And I can just imagine a couple of occasions where Ray Ritter orchestrates something where the beat writers get with him just for a few minutes to update his rehab. You know, maybe maybe not. Uh, but I think, you know, the the bigger takeaway is that I, I think he realizes that, you know, being around these guys, an unbelievable winning team, he's really known nothing but misery in his NBA career, whether it was especially in Sacramento. Things went were going well in New Orleans. All of a sudden he gets hurt. But, you know, he, he can't be that forever surly guy picking up too many technicals. Um, he is stubborn, and, and he is what he is. But I think he has to – he realizes that – this is going to be a lot of fun, and and uh, and it's he, there's not going to be any reason for him to to cause a big commotion. Now he'll he'll get very temperamental on the court, and there might be some differences of opinion with him and Draymond and Durant and everybody else. But uh, I think he's very capable of being something of a new guy than than the people in Sacramento knew, who was just forever uh, disappointed, uh, disillusioned, angry, and you know wears on you after a while. I think the biggest benefit to his addition might not even be anything he provides on the court or in the playoffs. It's just the fact that having him there brings an element of newness that this team desperately needs. You remember last season, the biggest storyline all season was how stale things fell and the complacency they were battling on a day-to-day basis. And I think a big reason for that was that, sure, they were chasing – their fourth straight finals appearance. But more than that, they were pretty much had the exact same team from the year before. I mean, yes, they had added a couple ancillary pieces and Jordan Bell and Omer Caspi, but in the, in the big picture, they were pretty much the exact same team and it, it almost felt too comfortable, too familiar. And I think adding someone to the mix who is an all-star, all-world talent and DeMarcus Cousins just gives it a fresh new feel even when he's not playing because you know when he's not playing they they have to incorporate 
Damian Jones and Jordan Bell and Kevon Looney, guys who haven't shouldered big loads in their career, into the rotation, and they have to be key pieces, and that makes things a little bit more interesting. And then you also have the awareness of the fact that you need to be ready for when DeMarcus does come back. So that, to me, is is as big of an asset as anything that that DeMarcus brings to this team. But one thing that was interesting was just kind of the party line that the team, specifically Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, were taking. Um, it seems like every year – you, it's it's pretty clear as the beat writer that the staff has an approach they're taking. You know they're 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 looking at it from a certain vantage point, and they have certain phrases they lean on and and what have you. And last year, Steve really preached preached patience. He said, "We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. It's just going to take some time to come together. It's going to take some time to come together. This is hard." And he constantly talked about how hard it is to keep chasing a title. It seems like from what we saw today, he's taking the almost the complete opposite route, which is he's saying, look, we're in a phenomenal position. We're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy the moment. We we have a full deck, you know, Um, and that that I think that's him learning from last season, because I think he saw that constantly talking about how difficult it was didn't necessarily have a great effect on the psyche of the team. It didn't necessarily bring out the best in them. So I think he's just trying something different. Yeah. You know, the couple of things that struck me with cousins is is one that it is going to be many months away. I mean, he was first talking about, you know, playing almost right away and it is going to be a long, long time. So, but he's going to be around the practices. And I think for me, for Curry and Draymond and, and Steph and all those guys, they, they can't wait as you say, just to break the tedium, to have something new, to have a new script. They can't wait to get out there and walk through some of the stuff they're going to do, especially in the half-court offense, which you can do. In a, in a, you, know, you don't have to be sprinting around. You can walk a guy through it. But you know, they've got a guy now that they can dump the ball into. He's a 26-point game scorer. He's got hands. He's got moves both ways. He's a devastating scorer, and he can hit from three-pointer. And, you know, they got to figure that out. Draymond said, okay, yeah, if you're going to win it, you got Draymond. But he said, it's not that easy to incorporate, you know, a great scorer into a team that's already a great scoring team. It, they did it pretty seamlessly with Duran, and they'd like to do it again with, with Cousins, but it's a different dynamic with him because he's a big guy. He's the first guy they've had forever that you can dump the ball into the post to, you know, since Robert Parrish. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's a huge, huge thing. And uh, I'll tell you, just as they influenced the league with their three-point shooting and the post-up guy became dead, all of a sudden you've got DeMarcus Cousins, and if he's helping them win a title as you dump the ball into him and let him deal, you know, what does that do to the rest of the league? It could be devastating, and it's a very hard thing to imitate. Uh, and, and plus, where, how do you work him into a three-point, the three-point shots that he so loves to take when you've got other guys – who can't wait to do it. So the, the Warriors are really excited about that aspect of it. Uh, they like DeMarcus as a guy. He, he, he is a good guy when everything's going well, and I don't see a whole lot of horrible things happening around here in that regard. The the other thing that we'd be remiss to not mention is that Patrick McCaw wasn't there today. And just to give you an idea of how unsure the Warriors were of his inclusion at Media Day, you know, yesterday the Warriors sent out – something to to media that was basically a schedule of when players would talk and they had a little you know 
they had a little time frame built out there for Patrick McCaw, and then in parentheses it said if he's there. Mm-hmm. And he, then they gave us a revised one this morning, and he was not included. Um, but I did notice that they actually didn't update the other times mm-hmm. behind it. <laughs> so there was like this big gap. <laughs> and so that just shows, you know, how late of a scratch he was. Um, and it's, if you had told me, this has been the one of the, this has been the weirdest offseason development because, you know, when a guy's a restricted free agent and he doesn't get any other offers, you just, okay, you assume, okay, he's going to, he's going to come back. You know, he didn't get any other offers, didn't have to match anything. He's coming back. But he got no offers and he's still not signing. And it's obviously a leverage move. I think it's some advice he's getting from his agent. I've heard that he wants a two year deal and the Warriors aren't willing to give him that because of how the salary cap and, and what have you shapes up next year. Um, but I, you got to wonder how risky of a move this is at this point because, you know, they, they had a great relationship until this, and you wonder, does this take a toll on the goodwill they've built? Do the Warriors get to the point where they're like, man, you know, if, if you're not going to – if you're not going to sign, we're getting into training camp here. We're just going to move on and find someone else. Yeah, well, I don't know how many cards he's really holding. If he were to disappear forever, the Warriors would be over that in a second. They just would. I mean, as good as he looked two years ago, last year he regressed. He had a very bad injury, but you know, he's not a reliable outside shooter. He's a pretty good defender, but you can find wing defenders. He just, you know, they're looking for they're looking for th- for shots off the bench. They had one of the worst three-point percentages off the bench in the league. Maybe was it the, were they the last in the league in three-point shots I off the bench? I think in the regular season they yeah. were. Yeah. And so they're looking to Quinn Cook and hopefully, you know, Evans to do some of that and they wouldn't expect that from McCaw. So I don't know. It's surprising to me. He's a, he's a really good kid and uh I would have thought that once the market dried up or never existed, that he'd just come back. I mean, it's a world championship team. You know, it's a great thing. Don't, don't press your luck, you know. Um, it would be a, a, a big blow if he suddenly isn't with the Warriors and has no alternatives. But, you know, for them, too bad. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, they, I think they did a really nice job of bringing in training camp bodies who can actually play in the NBA. I'm always amazed by the subtle little moves that Bob Myers makes that end up being really valuable. You saw last year bringing in Quinn Cook. No one really thought much of that, and he ended up being a real asset toward the latter stages of the regular season when they had all those injuries and proving that he is not just an NBA player but a rotation-caliber player on a championship team and then got a guaranteed deal. Um, you know, the guys who they have in camp now, Tyler Eulis, who averaged almost eight points per game last year for the Suns and played at Kentucky, former five-star recruit, who I think, you know, could have a long career in the NBA. And then you have Daniel House, who also played for the Suns last year and I think went off for like 25 points in a game against Golden State. And, you know, he, he can play in the league. And you know, there's a couple other guys there, uh, Marcus Derrickson from – Georgetown who played really well in summer league with the Warriors so you know if they don't end up signing McCaw I think they have guys in camp who they should feel comfortable going with with that 14th spot they have you you have 15 roster spots on an NBA roster the Warriors only have 13 guys right now Myers said today that they're totally fine with just going with 
14 into the regular season, having some flexibility with that 15th spot. So if they only want to add one more guy and it's not McCaw, I don't think they should be afraid to go with a guy like Euless or House or uh, Derrickson or, or what have you. Yeah, you know, ideally the guy that, that fills that role will be somebody who uh, who can score. Ideally from three-point, that's that's their calling card, but just can score, period, because McCaw is really not that kind of a guy on a consistent basis. And, uh, you know, if, if, if they do get somebody like that, I mean, geez, they, you know, they're so loaded. It, it, the McCaw thing is such a non-issue, but all of a sudden if they add a guy who's really going to help them, who's in the rotation, you know, in the playoffs and, and can score – I mean, geez, you know, that's uh, that's a step beyond Nick Young, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Who is not on an NBA team oh, and had a pretty <laughs> he had a pretty rough off season. Yeah. Uh, if you, I don't know if you were following TMZ, but uh, not the best summer for Nick Young, aka Swaggy P. Um, I saw a couple articles that listed him as a potential possibility of guys who are available if they needed to fill fill that that old McCaw role. I don't see them going in that direction. Jamal McCra- Jamal Crawford or Corey Brewer might make more sense, I think. Those are guys who are obviously very proven, are still very available, and I think would jump at the chance to take a minimum level deal with the Warriors. Um, so, you know, it's crazy how fast this comes. You know, we, we're in training camp officially starts tomorrow. Then we have uh, the first preseason game against Minnesota on Saturday. Then they're hitting the road and heading to Seattle for Durant's homecoming game against the Kings. So um, I'm excited. I, I feel like I've been a, I feel like I've been in hibernation. I went on a long road trip, you know, cross country road trip, and I'm feeling all rested and rejuvenated. And it turns out the players did the same thing. Bob Myers said today that Players vacationed more and were away from the practice facility more than they ever had been, which for most teams would sound like a really bad thing. Wow, they're getting lazy. They're not. They're not putting in the work. The Warriors that actually might be a good thing because yeah. they're they're realizing that they need to take care of their bodies. They need to rest. And uh, you know, when you're tr- trying to chase something for the fifth straight year, that's the biggest concern: is are you mentally and physically drained? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, the the preseason, first of all, it's Saturday, which is like tomorrow. Might as well be. Uh, they're going to play the Lakers. It won't be at Staples Center, but that'll be – where are they playing? In Vegas? or well, they're playing Saturday. The, they're, no, no, not Saturday. But they're, yeah. they're, it's, eventually they're going to play the Lakers. And, you know, yeah, the, they'll play the Lakers in uh, Vegas and then also in San Jose. Yeah, so they'll, they'll get a good taste of the uh, LeBron's Lakers and how Alonzo and Rondo and all those guys are fitting in. And, and the Seattle thing is going to be really interesting. I mean, if you follow the history of the league, there was no way that team should have left Seattle. They were kind of uh, buffaloed out of there by the guy who's in Oklahoma City now. It's a great basketball town, uh, and that'll be very nostalgic. And, and you know, uh, Kevin Durant will feel some of that too because he, he played there for one year. And uh, it, it's 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 coming up awful fast, but uh, it's about time. I, I thought, uh, you know, you talk about how the players sort of disappeared. Uh, Draymond Green said today that when the season was over, he didn't even want to think about it. He wasn't reveling in it. He wasn't partying over basketball. He wanted to get away from it. The team said, hey, you guys can take the trophy home. He said, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> I don't even want to I don't want to look at the trophy or think about it. I just want to decompress. 
So looking ahead to training camp, which starts tomorrow, Tuesday, I actually believe this podcast is going to go up Tuesday morning. So we'll just say today. Uh, what is your biggest question? What what question do you want answered? Well, uh, the the biggest question, it's a long-term thing. I wrote about it for, for the paper was what's going to happen with Durant, really? Is he really going to leave this team? But that's something that's, you know, it's not going to – I guarantee it's not going to weigh on his mind because he deals with all kinds of Twitter noise and social media, and he's argumentative and competitive. And then he goes out in the court and just crushes people. So that's, that's not going to change. Uh, but, you know, he's thinking about – Maybe he'll go somewhere else. That's awfully big. But, you know, beyond that, I really think, you know, the Cousins thing is the biggest question. But, you know, when, when can they start getting him on the floor in practice and just walking through things? Uh, and then when do, they, when do they start playing him in games? And when, if ever, is he going to be the same guy? Yeah, for me, I'm almost tired of saying it because I feel like my two-plus years on the beat, I've spent half of my stories writing about this. But it's just, can they guard against complacency? You know, yes, they added Cousins, and, and they're all talk right now about how that's added a new element and it makes things more exciting and feel fresher. But we don't actually know that until they get out there on the court, and we don't really know that until the regular season, until the season opener against Oklahoma City, because the preseason is just a different deal where, you know, I, it can, you can understand if any team kind of slogs through that. But, um, you know, they are keenly aware that these games don't matter. And, you know, are they going to treat it as such? Or are they going to wake up every day and and approach it with the right mindset? The reality of the situation is it probably doesn't matter that much, honestly. Like, this team could win 55 ga- regular season games, which would be horrible for them, and still cruise through the playoffs. I mean, that's how weird of a situation we're in right now. Um, you know, and I, I do think that one thing we haven't talked about, I do think the fact that this is the last year in Oakland yes. is going to be a, an added element to all this that could help prevent some of that inattention and, and boredom. Because I think all these guys, who especially guys who've been here for a couple of years, really understand what Oakland means to this franchise and what the franchise means to the city of Oakland and what moving to San Francisco means. I mean, a lot of these guys grew up in places like Oakland mm-hmm. and they kind of uh, they have a kinship with it, and so they're gonna want to do those fans right. They're wanna they're gonna want to do the city of Oakland right, you know. Um, so that's that's a whole other thing, and uh, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out if I should move to San Francisco. So I'll be I'll be dealing with my own questions um, this season, um, but. It's going to be a fun one. I can't tell you how excited I am to be back today. Like I said, felt like the first day of school where you're seeing all your old buddies that you haven't seen in a couple months maybe, um, and it's good to be back. Yeah, well, I think you know once they get to the playoffs, and we know they will, the motivation will not be a factor. They're going to want to they're, they're going to want to go for that title, and they'll probably get it uh, because, you know, once – Teams like Houston start showing up in front of them. They'll be crazy to, to knock them down again. Um, and, you know, the a great thing is so many of these guys grew up, uh, 
needing to prove themselves time and again. You know, Steph Curry, the little kid, nobody thought was going to be big enough or strong enough to play. Or Clay Thompson, not a big, big target in the draft. Draymond Green, second round. You know, Kevin Durant was kind of a gangly kid. He used to walk with his head down because he was kind of, you know, ashamed of his height and wasn't growing into his body yet. And the game, his game wasn't growing into his body. And, and they've, they've all got that little bit of inner fire of, of always wanting to try to pr prove themselves, which I think, you know, really helps as opposed to, you know, some cocksure guy who, yeah, I'm, that's right, I'm all that. I won't even worry about it till till June, you know. And, uh, and the Oakland thing is is big. That's a It's a huge story. Um uh, a lot of us have been working on a Warriors magazine. You Chronicle subscribers look for this in a couple Sundays. It'll be in your Sunday paper, or you can get it other ways. But uh, all about the, the Oakland years, it's entirely about the Warrior years. Uh, I spent a lot of time working on that, and, and it's, it's emotional. It's, it's a very hard thing uh, for a lot of people. For the people in Oakland, it's, it's, uh, it's devastating to lose the team. The, a lot of people won't be going over the games. They can't afford it or whatever, and... And yet, you know, it's San Francisco, and there's a level of excitement to that. So that's uh, that's that's an ongoing thread to the season. And Bruce, I'm going to be leaning on you pretty hard this season because you are our resident historian, and I love any. Well, I love all your columns, but I love especially love your columns that dig deep into the annals of history and give give that perspective. And I think that's going to be as important this year as any year, given what's going on with the move to San Francisco and the fact that this is the last year in Oakland. So, uh, don't, I hope, I hope to have you around even more this season. And I know that Warriors fans do too, but stay locked and loaded with Warriors off court. Uh, we're planning to have this, you, we're planning to have this out even more often this season. Last season, we were pretty good about having it out at least once a week this season. We hope to have it out at least twice a week. And I'll have even more interviews with players, coaches, and front office execs. So definitely you want to you wanna be around for that. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. This show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow us on Twitter at con underscore cron and at Bruce underscore Jenkins one. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Also, follow us on iTunes, and if you have some time, give us some feedback.